Good morning, everyone. It is good to be with you here once again for our time in the Word of God. As you know, we are continuing our current message series on the life of Moses. For the past few weeks, we have witnessed God calling Moses to be the deliverer of Israel from slavery in Egypt. And we have also heard Moses' objections to God's calling. But eventually, Moses accepted his mission after the Lord appointed his brother Aaron to be the spokesperson. Today, we will resume the story in Exodus in chapter 4, verses 18 through 31. If you are able, let us all stand for the reading of God's word in Exodus in chapter 4, verses 18 through 31. I'll read the verses for us where the Bible says, Then Moses departed and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go, that I may return to my brethren who are in Egypt, and see if they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. Now the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and mounted them on a donkey and returned to the land of Egypt. Moses also took the staff of God in his hand. The Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he would not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I said to you, Let my son go, that he may serve me. But you have refused to let him go. Behold, I will kill your son, your firstborn. Now it came about at the lodging place on the way that the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Then Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and threw it at Moses' feet, and she said, you are indeed a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. At that time, she said, you are a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. Now the Lord said to Aaron, go to meet Moses in the wilderness. So he went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and assembled all the elders of the sons of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. He then performed the signs in the sight of the people, so the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, then they bowed low and worshipped. Let us pray. Dear Father, we are so grateful for standing here in your presence to once again meditate upon the power of your eternal word. We pray, Father, that your word would minister to our hearts and that your name will be glorified during this time of this service. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. This morning, based on these verses in Exodus in chapter 4, 
Our message title is God Provides for His Deliverer. God Provides for His Deliverer. It is clear from the verses that we have just read that one of the underlying truths permeating this passage shows that God demands obedience from those called by Him. If you are called by God, you must obey God. That is clear. But I also want to highlight the fact that even though those who are called by God are not perfect, God will always provide all that is necessary for the calling to succeed. If God gives the vision, He will give the provision. As we saw last month, before God called Moses, He prepared Moses through a series of practical lessons. And now that the Lord has already called Moses, he will provide all that is needed for the mission to be accomplished. In first place, the Lord provided to Moses a testimony. God gave Moses a testimony. In our first verse, in verse 18, it begins by saying, Then Moses departed. Moses departed from where? Where was Moses before he departed? Moses was here. Moses was standing by Mount Sinai. Since the beginning of chapter 3, when God called Moses, he was standing there as the Lord is speaking to him. He was standing there by the presence of God on holy ground by the burning bush. Moses would never forget the place where he met God because it was here where his life was completely changed. He would never forget where he met the Lord because it was here where the Lord gave him a testimony. It was here where the Lord gave him a testimony to tell as it is recorded in the pages of Scripture. How about you? Do you remember where you met the Lord? Do you remember when you heard the gospel, when you believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That was when the Lord gave you a testimony. We may not have the same privilege as Moses. We, don't, we do not have our testimony recorded in the pages of the Bible. But the same God who gave Moses a testimony is the same God who gave us a testimony when we received Christ as our Savior. We all have a testimony to tell, a story of redemption, a story of deliverance, a story of salvation, a story of forgiveness, a story of salvation by grace. As the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians in chapter 5 in verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things, the old things have passed away. Behold, now all things have been made new. The same God who gave Moses a testimony is the same Lord who gave you and me a testimony in Christ Jesus our Lord. But the Lord not only gave Moses a testimony, he also gave Moses encouragement. The Lord gave Moses encouragement. In the remainder of verse 18, the Bible says, Then Moses departed and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and he said to him, Please let me go, that I may return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see if they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. Out of respect for his father-in-law, Moses asked him permission to go back to Egypt. In essence, Moses was asking Jethro to accept his resignation as a shepherd. But now, do you remember why Moses had left Egypt in first place 40 years earlier? Because Pharaoh wanted him dead. 
for killing an Egyptian. And now Moses doesn't know if he is still a most wanted in Egypt. He doesn't know what would be expecting him as he entered once again in that country. So what does God do? God gives Moses all the encouragement he needs. The Bible tells us in verse 19, Now the Lord said to Moses, In Midian, go back to Egypt, for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. Now remember, when God told Moses to go back to Egypt, was from the place where he had departed. He was standing by the slopes of Mount Sinai. The Lord had already told him to go back to Egypt. But now Moses had returned to Midian, had already asked permission to go back to Egypt from his father-in-law, and his father-in-law had already told them, go in peace. But Moses was still hesitant to begin that trip. He didn't know what was waiting for him there. What does God do? He gives him the encouragement again. He gives him all the encouragement he needs. He speaks to Moses again, now in Midian. He says, Moses, go back to Egypt. Because everyone in Egypt who wanted you dead, they are all dead. So Moses, go back to Egypt. Some may be quick to criticize Moses for being fearful to go back to Egypt in obedience to God. But they say if God was sending Moses to Egypt, God wouldn't be sending him into a death trap. But it is always easy to criticize someone else when we are so much more forgiven with ourselves, aren't we? In reality, most of us would have acted the same way as Moses did. We wouldn't be so enthusiastic about going back to a place where people wanted us killed. But God is good and patient. He gave Moses all the encouragement he needed. God knows all of our trials, and he is the one who gives us the encouragement. Today, the Lord gives us the encouragement through the power of his word. The Bible tells us in Romans in chapter 15, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. There may be times in this life when you feel like calling it quits, but remember, brother, but remember, sister, our encouragement is in the scriptures. Our encouragement is in the Bible. Our encouragement is in what God says to you through the pages of the Holy Scriptures. Hold fast to the Word of God in your life. There is nothing more than the devil would want you to do than to abandon your devotion to the Word of God. Don't let it be so, but be in the Word of God each and every day, for it is in the Word where you find encouragement to press on. It is in the Word where you find encouragement to persevere. God gave Moses a testimony, and God gave Moses encouragement. But also, the Lord gave Moses power. God gave Moses power. The Bible tells us in verse 21, in, in Exodus chapter 4, in verse 20, So Moses took his wife and his sons and mounted them on a donkey and returned to the land of Egypt. Moses also took the staff of God in his hand. Moses' second son, Eliezer, was still an infant. He went on a donkey being carried by his mom, Moses' wife, Zipporah, while Moses and his older son, Gershom, they were either walking or riding another animal besides them. All along, Moses was holding the staff of God. What is the staff of God? The staff of God was Moses' shepherd's staff 
that God had turned into a serpent before. It was the symbol of the power that God would manifest through Moses' life. Today, as believers, we do not have a staff that we can hold as a symbol of the power of God in our lives. But the Lord has given us power through the person of the Holy Spirit who abides within each and every one of us. The Bible tells us in Ephesians in chapter 3, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Today you may not have the power to part the Red Sea or to bring water from a rock, but the greatest evidence that the power of God is in your life is your transformed life by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know that you are not who you used to be, but the power of God has changed your life. May each and every day, wherever we go, may everyone be able to see the power of God in our lives through the words we speak and through the testimony we live. God gave Moses a testimony, encouragement, power, but God also gave him the message. God gave him the message that he was to speak to Pharaoh. He began giving Moses the message in the previous chapter, in Exodus in chapter 3, where he said, you with the elders of Israel will come to the king of Egypt, and you will say to him, Moses, this is the message that I'm giving to you for you to speak to Pharaoh. You will say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. So now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go. God revealed to Moses in advance that Pharaoh would not accept the message. He revealed to him that Pharaoh would reject the message that the Lord was given to Moses. And now in chapter 4, the Lord continues to give him the message as we read. The Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. God revealed to Moses in advance what the outcome of the message would be, that he would harden Pharaoh's heart so that he would not accept the message. First, Pharaoh would harden his own heart, and then as a result, God would harden his heart. Moses' duty was just to speak the message that God had given him. He had no power to control Pharaoh's heart. The same is true for us today as Christians. We are called to simply to speak the message of God. And we are not as privileged as Moses because at least to Moses, God already revealed to him in advance what the outcome of the message would be. Pharaoh would reject it. We do not know when we share the message of the gospel. We do not know who will believe and be saved and those who will reject it. But just like Moses, we are called to simply speak, to speak the message. We are to speak the message of the gospel and to pray that the Lord would work in a person's heart to repent to believe, and to be saved. And the Lord continues speaking to Moses. He said, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord. Now this is a pivotal verse because 
This is the very first time in the Bible where you see the expression, thus says the Lord. Afterwards, all prophets of God would speak these words before proclaiming anything that God had revealed to them. But Moses was a very special prophet of God because the Lord himself spoke these words to Moses the very first time they appear in the Scriptures. Today the Lord speaks. When he speaks, when he says, thus says the Lord, he does so through his written word in the Bible. We are not to add, to delete, or to revise it in any way. You should be careful with anyone who will tell you that they have received special revelations outside the Bible to justify their beliefs. You should have discernment about it. The Lord has already given us the full revelation in the 66 books of the Bible. Anything beyond that, the Bible tells us in Proverbs in chapter 30, every word of God is tested without errors. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words or he will reprove you and you will be proved a liar. On this side of eternity, God has already given us the full revelation through creation, through our conscience, through the person of Christ Jesus in his incarnation, and through the words of the Bible. Now, according to Ephesians in chapter 1 in verse 18, God has given us illumination, not a new revelation. He has given us illumination for us to be enlightened, to understand the revelation that God has already given us through the books in the Scripture. And the Lord continues to say to Moses, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. To Pharaoh and the Egyptians, the firstborn son was a sacred gift from the gods. So when Moses would tell Pharaoh that Israel was the Lord's firstborn, it was to impress in Pharaoh's heart how important Israel was to the Lord. And God once again would reveal to Moses what the outcome of the message would be. It says, So I said to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But you have refused to let him go. Behold, I will kill your son, your firstborn. Now we know that Pharaoh would not let Israel go despite the plagues that God would send over all Egypt. But only until the last one, the plague of the firstborn, when all the firstborn of humans and even animals were killed. By then, Pharaoh let the people go. But it was then too late because Pharaoh's own firstborn son was already dead. Surely, Pharaoh wished that he had paid more attention to the message of God that he received through Moses. But that was not so. It was too late. Today, there are so many people who throughout their lifetime, they dismiss the message of God. They dismiss the message of salvation. Only to depart from this life and spend eternity in torment and regret. Don't let this happen to you. If you have never confessed Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have not repented of your sins, know this, we were all sinners at one point, doomed to spend eternity in hell, separated from God. But God, in His mercy, 
He sent his one, and on, his one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us here at Calvary's cross so that he could pay the penalty for our sins. The punishment for our sins were poured upon him so that whoever believes in the Lord and what he did for humanity can be saved and spared eternity separated from God. But the Lord opens our eyes by his grace so that we may understand the plan of salvation that he has so graciously presented to us. I pray that the Lord would speak to your heart and that he would convince you to repent of your sins and confess Jesus Christ as your Savior and be saved today. But the Lord also gave Moses mercy. God gave Moses mercy. We know that grace gives us blessings that we don't deserve. But mercy keeps us from the punishment that we do deserve. Grace is unmerited favor, while mercy keeps us from the justice and wrath of God for our sins. Moses would receive both, grace and mercy. But first the Lord would give him mercy. For us to understand the next verses, it is important for us to remember the covenant that God made with Abraham. In Genesis in chapter 17, the Lord is speaking to Abraham these words. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Every male among you who is eight days old shall be circumcised throughout your generations. Circumcision was the symbol of the covenant that God had made with Abraham. It was a symbol that Abraham and all his male descendants should obey. Circumcision simply symbolized the need of a clean heart, as we see that in Jeremiah in chapter 4, verse 4, in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 25 and 26. It symbolized the need of a cleansed heart before God. Disobedience to this commandment of circumcision would have serious consequences, as the Bible says in verse 14. But an uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Failure to obey the commandment of circumcision was punishable by death. Disobedience brought serious consequences. Now, with that in mind, let us go back to our passage beginning in verse 24, where the Bible says, Now he came about at the lodging place on the way that the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. When Moses was traveling with his family to go to Egypt, he was not going there without any breaks. But they stopped along the way at a lodging place so they could catch some rest. And it was at that lodging place that the Lord met Moses and sought to put Moses to death. Now let's get one thing straight. If God were seeking to kill you, you would be dead in the next second. Agreed? So the fact that God was seeking to kill Moses, but Moses is still alive, that is all the proof you need that God gave Moses mercy. You see? God gave Moses mercy. And so what happened? At their lodging place, 
God struck Moses with an illness that if untreated, it would have been fatal. Moses was sick to the point of death. Moses was bedridden on the brink of death. And why did the Lord do that? Because Moses failed to circumcise his son. Moses' older son, Gershom, most likely he had already been circumcised according to the demands of God. But his younger son, Eliezer, he had not been circumcised. It seems that Zipporah, Moses' wife, had refused to allow Moses to circumcise their younger son. We do not know for sure why Zipporah would have resisted the circumcision. Perhaps she did not want the child to suffer the wound of circumcision and be uncomfortable during that long trip. Perhaps she had asked Moses to wait until they were already settled in Egypt. We do not know. The Bible doesn't tell us specifically. But what we do know is that Zipporah rejected the circumcision and Moses obeyed his wife. Moses did what his wife told him to do. And gentlemen, all of us husbands, we can't understand Moses, can't we? <laughs> happy wife, happy life. But this time, Moses was taking it too far because he was obeying his wife instead of obeying God. And that is never good. And so Moses is debilitated in bed to the point of death, and both he and his wife know exactly what is happening. The boy needed to be circumcised. And so Zipporah, she takes matters into her own hands, literally. The Bible says in verse 25, then Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and threw it at Moses' feet. And she said, you are indeed a bridegroom of blood to me. This is a graphic verse. Zipporah took a sharp stone and she circumcised the boy herself. She picked up the cut foreskin and she threw at Moses in bed, who was already dying. And she screams at him saying, you are a bloody husband to me because she was forced to shed her son's blood to save Moses' life. Now, can you imagine the chaos inside that lodging place? Can you imagine how chaotic that scene must have been? Moses is already suffering to such an extent that he's on the brink of death. And to make matters worse, he has an infant crying at the top of his lungs because of the wound of circumcision. On top of that, he has an angry wife yelling at him and throwing stuff at him saying, you are a bloody husband to me. How would you like to be Moses inside that room? I would just say, Lord, please take me home. <laughs> what a chaotic scene. But you know what happened afterwards? After Moses being on the brink of death, the Bible says in verse 26, so he let him alone. At that time, she said, you are a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. So God let Moses alone. God gave Moses mercy. 
Despite the serious consequence, as we saw in Genesis chapter 17, God did not kill Moses for disobeying the commandment of circumcision. But at that time, God healed him. At what time? At the time when the circumcision was done. God gave Moses mercy, and immediately he was brought back to health. And do you know what Moses did after he became healthy again? In Exodus chapter 18, the Bible says, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Moses' wife Zipporah after Moses had sent her away and her two sons. Moses sent his wife back to her father, and he went alone to Egypt. Moses was not divorcing his wife, by the way, because the Bible tells us later that he will be reunited with her and their two sons. But for now, Moses didn't want anything to compromise his obedience to God again. He went to Egypt by himself. Now, why are these verses here? Why is this story about circumcision in the middle of the story of Moses going back to Egypt? What is the point? And if the punishment would be for the person who was uncircumcised, then Moses' son should have been the one that God had threatened to put to death, not Moses. What is happening here? Why is this all here? For this one reason. How could Moses be a representative of God's covenant before the people of Israel if he himself was not obeying it? Remember, if you are called by God, you must obey God. We too, as Christians, we are called to live obedient lives as ambassadors for Christ. But you see, none of us is perfect. It is comforting to know that the same God who gave Moses mercy is the same God who gives you and me mercy as we represent him in this world. It is comforting to know that the mercies of God are within our lives because none of us is perfect. Thank God for his mercy that always brings us back to him. Thank God for his mercy that always brings us back to the path of righteousness, to the path of walking with the Lord, to the path of forgiving us, so that we may once again walk with the Lord despite the moments when we may disobey him. You may know the name George Whitfield. He was a renowned English evangelist in the 1700s. One of his converts was a man by the name of Robert Robinson. At the age of 22, he professed to have faith in Christ Jesus. Right after that, he wrote a beautiful hymn that we sing in churches even to this day. He wrote the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Unfortunately, soon after Robert Robinson wrote that hymn, he became like the prodigal son. And for many years, he led a life of carnality. Until one day, when he was traveling by stagecoach, when there was one young woman sitting right next to him, reading a book. And in that book, she was reading the lyrics of a well-known Christian hymn. And do you know what the hymn was? Come thou fount of every blessing. 
And she turns to him without knowing who he was. And she says, this is such a beautiful hymn. But do you know what this line means? The line that she asked him about was, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Robert Robinson burst into tears. She turned to her and he said, Madam, I am that poor, unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago. And I would give a thousand worlds if I could enjoy once again the same feelings that I had back then. And that young woman, even though she was astounded by finding out, by finding out who he was, she turns to him and says, yes, sir, but your song also says, streams of mercy never ceasing. And those mercies are still flowing today. When Robert Robinson heard those words, he turned his wandering heart back to God, and he began to walk with the Lord yet once again. Where would we be without his mercy? Where would we be without the mercies of God bringing us back to him? But as I said, the Lord not only gave Moses mercy, the Lord also gave Moses grace. Who says there is no grace in the Old Testament? Remember what Moses said. Remember what happened when Moses said to God to choose another deliverer? This is what happened. Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. And he said, Is there not your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently. And moreover, behold, he is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Moses was walking a tight rope here. First, God's anger was burning against him for resisting his calling. And then God was seeking to kill Moses for not being obedient to the commandment of circumcision. Moses was pushing it, but God was patient. God was gracious. And in spite of that, in spite of all that, God made two promises to Moses. God promised Moses that his brother Aaron would come out to meet him and that his brother Aaron would be glad to see him again. And then what happened? The Bible says, Now the Lord said to Aaron, Go to meet Moses in the wilderness. So he went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. God fulfilled both promises. First, Aaron was glad to see Moses, his younger brother, his little brother, his 80-year-old brother, whom he had not seen in 40 years. And he was happy to see him because the Bible says that he kissed him. He kissed him in the Near East tradition of kissing both cheeks which was a sign of fellowship and joy. And not only that, secondly, God revealed to Aaron exactly where he should go to meet Moses. He had said, go to meet Moses in the wilderness. The wilderness is an enormous space. For Aaron to go to the mountain of God, to Mount Sinai, where Moses would be, it was through the revelation of God. God revealed to Aaron exactly where he should go. Certainly Moses would realize that the same place where God made those two promises to him was the same place where God fulfilled both of them. Certainly Moses would have realized that the same place where God's anger was burning against him, 
unbelievably was the same place that God blessed him. Do you know what that is? That's grace. Have you ever had one of these God-given moments when you realize that what's happening is nothing but the grace of God in your life? When you are struck by the wonder of how God blessed you, not because of you, but in spite of you, you know what that is? That's grace. That's the grace of God for me. That's the grace of God for you. Where would we be without God's grace? Where would Moses be without God's grace? But the Lord also gave Moses humility. As you may recall, as Moses was preparing, as God was preparing Moses before he called him, he had already given Moses, he had already taught Moses humility by that well. And he taught Moses that humility in such a way that the Bible tells us in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, that Moses became the most humble man on the face of the earth. What happens next? is a confirmation of the humility that God had already given to Moses. The Bible says in verse 28, Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him. Moses spoke to Aaron all the words of the Lord. What were all the words? Which words? Obviously, Moses would have told Aaron about God's plan to deliver Israel from slavery in Egypt. But in the process... Moses would have to have told his brother, these are the words as well. You are to speak to him and put the words in his mouth. Moreover, he shall speak for you to the people, and he, Aaron, will be as a mouth for you. After hearing this, certainly Aaron would be natural for him to turn to Moses and ask him, okay, Moses, God called you, but how did I become involved? Moses would have to be humble enough to admit his own faults and confess to his brother that how he resisted God's calling. And as a result of that, that was the reason why God said that he was appointing Aaron to be the spokesperson. Moses had to be humble enough to admit his own mistakes. It is undeniable that if you and I want to serve the Lord, we must humble ourselves. We must walk before the Lord with humility. Arrogance and pride cannot control the heart of those who want to serve the Lord. There are so many people who are so good at pointing their fingers at everybody else's faults, but they are never humble enough to admit when they are wrong. But the Bible tells us in Proverbs in chapter 11, when pride comes, then comes dishonor, but with the humble is wisdom. May we continue to serve the Lord humbly. May we continue to humble ourselves before the Lord as he will be using us by his grace and by his mercy. And lastly, God gave Moses confirmation. You may recall last week, as Paul Johnson mentioned, that the central message in this chapter 4 in the book of Exodus is what God would do for the people to believe that the Lord had appeared to Moses. And in these next verses, God will give that confirmation. God would fulfill what he had said to Moses that he would do. The Bible says, Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him, and then, and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. 
Moses told Aaron not only the words that the Lord had spoken to him, and he was humble enough to do so, admitting his own faults, but he also told Aaron all the signs that he had commanded him to do. And do you know what the signs were? Do you remember from last week? Moses' shepherd's staff would be turned into a serpent. Then Moses would pick it up by its tail, and he would turn into the shepherd's staff again. Moses would place his hand into his bosom, and his hand would come out leprous. But then Moses would return his leprous hand to his bosom, and when he would show his hand again, he would be completely healthy. If the people were to not believe those two signs, Moses was to grab some water from the river and drop it on dry ground, and that water would turn into blood. God promised Moses that those signs would cause the people to believe. The Bible tells us in verse 29 and 30, Then Moses and Aaron went and assembled all the elders of the son of Israel, and Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then Moses performed the signs in the sight of the people. This is the climatic point of this chapter. This is a climatic moment. Would God's word come true? Would the Lord be truthful to what he had said to Moses? Would the elders and the people, after, seeing those, after hearing those words and seeing those signs, would they believe? The answer is quickly in our final verse. And so the people believed. After they saw the signs, they immediately believed. After they heard the words, they immediately believed that the Lord had appeared to Moses and had promised to give them deliverance. The Bible continues to say, And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed low and worshipped. God gave Moses the confirmation of everything that he had told him that he was going to do. After all his hesitation to accept God's calling, after his disobedience to circumcise his son, which almost got him killed, after his doubt that if the people and the elders would believe that the Lord had appeared to him, it must have been to Moses a tremendous moment of joy and consolation when he actually saw with his own eyes the people bowing low and worshiping God because they believed. God came through once again. Ultimately, Moses, what he learned through his own experiences is what you and I as believers must learn as well. The calling that God places in our lives is above all a call to obedience. The results, they belong to God. But our call is simply to be obedient to the call of God in our lives. And God will always provide all that is necessary for the calling to succeed. God provided all to Moses. God gave Moses a testimony, encouragement, power, the message, mercy, grace, humility, and confirmation. In the same way that God was faithful to Moses, he is faithful to you. He is faithful to all of us. As the Bible tells us in Romans in chapter 8 and verse 32, if God did not spare his own son, 
but deliver him for us all. Won't he freely give us all things as we continue to follow him, as we are called by him, the Lord will always provide. And of that, we can be certain. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we are so thankful for your grace upon our lives, O God. We praise you, we thank you for everything that you have done for us. Where would we be, God, without your patience, without your mercy, without your grace, without your salvation? You are so faithful throughout the ages, and we thank you for the encouragement that you give each and every one of us, and that for the glory of your name. Father, we pray that these words, as your word tells us in Romans in chapter 15, that we are encouraged by everything that was written in the Old Testament, everything that is written in the Scriptures, that we will be motivated to be in the Word each and every day as we are encouraged to continue to persevere and to press on, no matter the circumstances in our lives. Bless us now, we pray, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.